Welcome back into Bearcat Rewind, your first episode of July. Hope you had a fantastic Independence Day with family and friends. Uh, today we've got a special guest, Northwest Missouri State University's interim president, Dr. Clarence Green, is joining us for Bearcat Rewind. Dr. Green brings an interesting perspective as a guy that's been in law enforcement here at Northwest for more than 25 years, including chief of university police. He's also the VP of culture at the university. But if you turn back the clock to the 90s, he was a run-stuffing defensive tackle for Bearcat football. So he has seen this campus from many angles, from the student-athlete side, as the full-time employee, as a member of law enforcement. So uh, an interesting look here at Northwest Missouri State for our interim president as he joins us today. And we'll hit a lot of topics over the next half hour or so. It'll range from his new position on campus... To playing at Rick and Broad Stadium and battling for what was an underdog Bearcat football team there in the early 1990s. So we get a lot of good insight coming from Dr. Green on today's podcast. And that's a podcast that's brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, which provides support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. Look them up on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. And also Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at ClorindaHealth.com. We're joined in studio today for Bearcat Rewind by Clarence Green, Northwest Missouri State Chief of Police, but also taking on the role of interim president. He's also the VP of Culture here on campus at Northwest. Clarence, thanks so much for coming in. How are things? Oh, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. Things are going well right now. Uh, you know, we're in this transitioning period and looking forward to the responsibility and accountability of the new role as interim president. So we look at it, and of course, we're recording this just a week before we actually like dive into the first full week of July, Independence Day, right on the horizon, too. Does, does a lot change? Does a little change? What, what do things kind of look like for you heading into a new month with a new role? Well, I've been prepping for probably the last couple of months since the announcement uh, was made. And, and so some things are, are, are pretty much uh, succinct, you know, like our Northwest leadership team. Tomorrow we'll roll out. Tomorrow will actually be July 1. We'll roll out some information about the transition, the process, uh, some different role changes across the organization. Uh, but but things are, are going pretty seamless. I think uh, Dr. Zinski did a good job of a knowledge management transfer uh, to really set the organization up for success as we move forward. And I think that's all you could hope for is things to be seamless, kind of just dive in and go. And, of course, you know Northwest Missouri State, like the back of your hand, that has to help um, immensely. But, you know, there may be some things you look at and say, you know what, I wouldn't mind tweaking this here or there. And if you are taking suggestions, could we get Quiznos back in the oh, union? Well, uh, I, I, you probably can't tell this, but I'm a little bit of an eater. And so <laughs> I'm always open to those type of suggestions and willing to help out where we can. Now, things are going to be pretty much seamless, I, I, I think, as we move forward. But there will be a few bumps in the road. Uh, you know, it's going to be a new role for me, some new challenges. But also it's going to be, you know, some things are going to have Clarence's imprint on them because I can only be me. I, it's, it's no 
way I'm going to be someone that I'm not. And so to expect things to remain exactly the same in personality and delivery, uh, well, that'll be a little bit unfair. It'd be really unfair to me because I, I can't deliver at the same standard as our as our last leader. It's going to look a lot like Clarence and sound a heck of a lot like Clarence. You know, different strengths and weaknesses for every leader. And you just kind of embrace it and kind of so many good people around Northwest. You kind of find a ways to prop up those weaknesses, but then also use those strengths to boost other people there oh, at the sure. same time, too. Um, totally agree. And, you know, we're kind of heading into – it's a unique situation, obviously, of, as things have kind of unfolded the last six to eight months as more and more news comes out. But it's also something that you've earned this role. You've gone through. You've got the education. Well, you put it. that work in. And I feel like that's a big thing kind of pushing forward for you, too, as it could be kind of like – a little bit awkward at times. Some people are like, boy, Dr. J did this, this, and this. But it's this is a different way of we've earned this role, you've earned this role, and so let's just kind of see how things go and kind of put your imprint on Northwest. Yes, you're, you're totally right. And my, my, and my style is more of a – I'm a micromanager by trait, and I own that. But I really, really work hard every day to allow folks to do their work. And, and that's something I hope to do that's different that I've done probably the last 15, 20 years of my service uh, to the institution. It's really let others do their work. My, my job is really to gather resources uh, to help promote uh, and really let leaders lead. And, and that's what I hope to do. As we look at it too, everybody kind of has their different ways of leading as we kind of mentioned there. Ewell Lampkin, back during the Depression, he took some bushels of corn as payment for uh, wow. from some rural students. I don't know if you've got kind of that, like, hey, yeah, I guess if you've got you know a good crop this year, you want to bring in a bushel of strawberries, perhaps that's what we can kind of trans uh, swap that out for tuition. Well, we'll have to talk about that with our CFO, <laughs> Stacey Carrick. Uh, I don't know if that'll work, but I, I'm sure we'll entertain If it. she's listening, she's saying, well, <laughs> we're not going down yes. that road. It's yes. 100 years later. We don't need to quite do that. Yes. Um, but, you know, you're, you're the first student-athlete, um, former student-athlete coming in and, and taking this on as the wow. president. Of course, you know, um, Bearcat Rewind, we talk about Northwest Athletics, wow. and that's our push. Um, and I could be slightly wrong. I looked through and couldn't find anything. But as far as I can tell and as far as I'm concerned, the first former student-athlete, that's one of those things that you learn certain things um, on the gridiron, in a huddle, facing different types of adversity that kind of shape you and mold you. And, and I feel like that's a, something, too, you'll kind of step into unique situations here that it, it's been a little while, but you can kind of still lean on yeah. certain situations from – Playing Northwest Missouri State football will kind of help push you through now too, right? Yes, I, that, I, I, that athletic term is used very uh, graciously because I don't know if I was an <laughs> athlete, but uh, I, I did play football here at Northwest, and I think that experience there, uh, being around a group of young men and a coach that really helped inspire me, helped me push myself understand what resiliency is through hard times, through injuries, um, being a leader at an early age, having to lead a group of 100 young folks uh, and try to build a mission that you're all focused on. All of those things are great for anyone because they give me an opportunity to practice my skill set at a very young age uh, and, and see how I can improve upon being a leader also. And, and I'm sure those things still impact me to this day. Uh, of of a sense of grit or toughness and resiliency that I've learned through being an athlete that, that I hope that I still can have it w within me and that will aid me in my role. 
You know, I think it's so easy to kind of look at it and be like, oh, well, if you're an athlete, it's just kind of about the physical side. But there is a ton on the mental side that goes into it and, and to be able to handle um, different things as they come about. And I'm sure you've kind of seen that as a role as police chief and as the VP of culture, but uh, different situations will arise as we kind of move forward throughout this next year too. I don't know if this is something you've kind of thought about too, or if it's even had a chance to cross your mind. It's been a very busy time, hectic few weeks, I'm sure, um, but also the first African-American president at Northwest Missouri State. And that, that's a pretty impactful thing too. Yes. I, I've talked to tons of alumni, students, prospective students, families, community members, and what it means to me to be that first is to be first, it really takes fearlessness. So looking across the higher education landscape, as well as our own conference, it really validates that for me. And it makes me think of what the words of W.E. Du Bois when he spoke about double consciousness, what it means to be African or, or black and what it means to be American. And so that two-ness is always with us. And so I believe for those who look like me and, and, and those beyond me, I think it's going to bring about a sense of hope, uh, a feel of hope. We're going to get some actions in, in place that's also going to build about that sense of hope. It also means inclusion. It's going to mean that we're not at the table uh, for marketing purposes, but we're at the table to share our voice, speak truth, and offer our perspective. It, it also is going to mean that there's going to be some high expectations. And maybe those expectations are perhaps not even achievable, but I welcome those. And I also welcome the opportunity to be to, to be in a room someday to where, you know, people are really looking at me as a person as well as what knowledge I might have rather than the color of my skin. It also makes me think about at our Peace Brunch this last year, our a beloved alumnus, Karen Daniel, was there and she gave these words when she she had a quote that, that just really stuck with me. She talked about, we have to have the courage to take a position uh, to really uplift humanity. And that's a position that perhaps may not be popular with a lot of folks, but it's going to uplift humanity. And so when I think about her words and, and I think about everything else, I think about that's what it means to me and perhaps even others. But also I would like to challenge and let prospective students, current students, faculty, staff, Everyone know that I know that we live in a community that can really take that 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 charge that Karen Daniel laid out and talked about courage and taking an unpopular position at, at some point or is that now? And, and we want to build a sense of belonging so that everyone feels like they have a place here at Northwest. And, and that's what I believe. And I think that's what that means uh, being in this role at this time. And I feel like Northwest has made pushes and, and tried to make those steps here in recent years, to, and we're still a long way to go to be um, fully inclusive um, of everyone as we kind of go throughout. I totally agree, and I think so. it's probably a goal that perhaps could never be reached. You know, we'll yeah. always have to improve in that area. It's like quality, I think, that uh, you just know it when you see it, and I, and I think we have to work towards improving that sense of belonging, and that's something our Board of Regents made very important, and, and we're going to roll out tomorrow, July 1. One of the expectations that they that they gave of me in this interim role is to make sure that we're improving in our enrollment of diverse students, but also that we're improving our community around a sense of belonging of diverse students. So that's something that's important to our regents. It's definitely something that's important to me. And, and I'm proud to have that responsibility put on me to help lead that at this university. And I think we have the right 
teammates around the table to help with that. And we have the right community because everyone in this community has always supported me and my family. And I look for them to support all of those that we bring here as well. Take me back to the early 90s. You're from East St. Louis. You come to Maryville for football at Northwest Missouri State. Any hesitation on your part at that time? And, and what was Maryville and Northwest like you know, 30 plus years ago? Well, it was it was a lot different. We had cows probably close to where Dietrich Hall was. So it was it's still pretty much similar community, but a lot more rural it felt like uh, t- to me. Uh, and I'm from a metropolitan area, you know, East St. Louis, Illinois, like you said. And that community is roughly 98% black coming to a community that's roughly 98% white. Uh, so a lot of hesitancy, a lot of biases on, on perhaps my part at first of wondering how it would be accepted. Uh, was accepted, you know, pretty much right away within the community. Uh, learned a lot right away. Uh, actually, you know, I, I tell always this embarrassing story that my first experience of looking at a map, you know, I thought Kansas City to Maryville was a short distance and I can walk and I caught the bus actually to um, up here and so then I started walking from Kansas City and someone from the team you know they were looking for me because I didn't arrive on time and they were driving the roads and they picked me up and gave me a ride to campus oh man and, and so I, I, I learned a lot also I learned how to read a map and so that that's been very helpful but you don't need maps in today's time you know we, we now have um, map. we don't have even map quests it's something just on google your maps or yes. yeah, just some app now. yes yeah yeah and so Campus was a lot different. Uh, the athletic program was a lot different. We did not have a coach church, a coach right. You know, we didn't have those type of coaches at that time. And so we had a lot more hooligans, I would say, probably involved on, on the football team for sure. Uh, but it, it still was a tremendous opportunity for me to learn, to grow, to play. Uh, and have fun and get a great education. Probably one of the greatest things that I learned while being a student athlete, I really connected a lot with faculty and some staff members uh, within the area, as well as some community members who I'm still close to the day. Uh, I can remember one of the community members was Joe Steens. He had a brother who rented me a house in town, and Joe Steens is my neighbor now, still close to him. He helps form my land now, you, you know, and so I built a lifelong relationship with an individual who I just met in the community who I rented a house from. Um, but but also those players that I played with, tremendous connection. We're still closely knit right now. We stay in contact, just attended a wedding of a former roommate's daughter uh, last week. And so th- those things are just very important to me, great experiences that have helped me and still I believe is going to help me throughout my work at Northwest in the future. Could you have imagined that you'd be – living in Maryville for 30 years, that you would have stuck around here? Was or was the thought, hey, I'm going to head back toward um, the east side of the state or into Illinois or elsewhere? Yeah, for, for sure. I, I never thought this would be home for 30-plus years. I, I imagine graduating, going back to my community or going somewhere close to there uh, and living out my days there. Uh, but things changed. I met a young lady who basically said, you know, we're going to move here and here's what we're going to do. And I've been taking those orders ever since. Wise man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so we we decided this is where we want to live and we want to have a family. Uh, we moved out into the country after living in town for a couple of years. And it really connects well with us and our family. And uh, it's it's where we live and where we call home. And we just love the community that we're in. You kind of mentioned a little bit of uh, some of those teammates playing within that team and, and the family atmosphere that you kind of felt back then and those lifelong connections. Um, 
taking it back into those uh, those early nineties, nineteen ninety two, playing under Bud Elliott, six and three within the MIAA, and you see the program today, and it's boy, it's spearheaded by just a fantastic defensive line year in and year out. How did that nineteen ninety two team in those years when you're Kind of compare. I mean, a guy that was on the D line and kind of that's the pride of the Bearcats now. Well, well it's it's really it, you're asking unfair questions. This is not. <laughs> I know a, it is. It's unfair. not a comparison from now and then. You know, like uh, most of us could not have played in this era. I believe you if know, you would have come in as a freshman with Rich Wright as your D line coach. Well, I, I don't think he would have recruited me in my day. You know, it was more of a a fat guy or a large guy who could play. You know, now these guys, they look like linebackers and defensive backs who play on the D-line. And they're quick like yeah, them yeah, And yeah. they can run, you know. I, 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 you know, that was not me. I, I, was, uh, I was a large guy, but I was a large guy. Uh, and so I don't think I would be recruited today to play uh, like the young men are now that, that we have on our program and team, as well as, you know, the level of play that they have to be at. And the le- uh, it's just four different than our day. We lift it more for power when we lift it weights. They lift more for endurance. Everything It, it feels like that to me, you know, and everything's around endurance. Um, it, it takes a tremendous athlete to play a sport in today's time. Uh, I know I couldn't compete in that. I know some of my classmates who would argue different, they probably couldn't either. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen you run. You're quick like a cat. I'm not so sure you couldn't have come in here and worked for it and and been on that D-line. But uh, what was the MIAA like? Was it more of just kind of a smash-mouth football and not as much spreading it out in diversity that we kind of see between uh, some teams can air it out, some can go under center, run it. We've seen the Bearcats do that. Was it a little bit more? Uh, I know we saw the option a lot more during yes, those days, yeah, too. Yeah, we ran the triple option. Uh, most of the schools in the con- – there was very few schools in the conference who passed. Uh, I don't remember winning a lot of games. So when you say six and three, that just blows six me away. Six and three in the conference, yeah. Wow, we were, we were average. You're right there. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, I, you know, Pittsburgh State ran the option, of course, and uh, they just annihilated us most years and uh, – there was some talent in the conference, though. You know, there were some great players. I played with Ed Tillerson, who was a great player. You know, he could still play today. You know, he was a 235-pound running back who could run like the wind. I can remember one day in practice, he about tore my arm off when I stuck it out to tackle him. And I thought, this is a different league uh, than what I imagined in high school. And so, th- th- you know, we had, there were some special athletes still at that time, but it was more of a smash mouth, run the ball t- twice, throw it once, type of league even on the the passing teams were still run it twice throw it once and so i think that's where those bigger bodies were probably a little bit more effective in that area with this spread game you better have high endurance and have some folks who can run right now we'll see a good pittsburgh state team come in and all of a sudden it's like this is a high level division two football matchup those days the bearcats are still trying to climb and build and and get to where they are now Pittsburgh State, that 1992 season, number one team in the country when they roll through. What was it like seeing the Gorillas and Truman State and teams like that in that fashion? I mean, were they as good as we see on paper now? Mm, it, it's, a, it's hard to say. It's really hard to compare errors, you know, and compare players from errors. But I, I don't know if they were good as what we saw today because the game is so different and the players are so fast and, and have so much more endurance than what we had in, in our day because the game didn't call for call for that. Um, but I think the the talent level in some positions w- w- was still pretty good. But but. 
I, I don't know what, what I'm for sure of is our style of ball in today's environment would not be as effective. And, and one of the reasons I say that there's a team in Arkansas that we play typically every year, you know, and they run the wishbone. And it seems like Rich Wright has just a secret on how to stop that option. You, you know, and, and he has the secret on how to form a great D line. And uh, something about him is just special for diagnosing that. It's funny because uh, every year we come around and it's whether it's seeing Harding or someone else that's going to run that triple option. Southern did it there for a while. Uh, I know from our perspective, whether it's a media or fan, it's kind of like, oh, man, Northwest is going to eat them alive. Yes. But then you talk to Coach Wright and, the, and Chad Bostwick and those other guys, and it's kind of like, this is the most stressful week of the year. Yes. I mean, the, the way they prepare, it's, yeah. it is impressive. The discipline the young yeah. folks have because the option really just takes discipline to stop, I think. I don't know for sure because we, we never stopped it when I played, <laughs> so we, but we probably didn't have discipline either. But, but it takes so much discipline. I think that's what creates the stress and – Boy, those players, you know, they do the same things right every time, and that's 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 hard. What was Rick and Broad like on a beautiful Saturday? Was it rocking? Was I mean, what was the atmosphere? Well, I have a picture in my basement that a lot of former players come out to my house and they see it. It was a playoff game where we had one person in the stands, and uh, that's what Rick and Broad no was, was like. You know, maybe there would be fifteen or twenty, but it was. Uh, it was not like it is today. You know, a light crowd today of 6,000 and, and folks are a little upset that we don't have nine, you know, would have been a packed house. You know, on homecoming, we might have had 100. Wow. No kidding. That, see, you know, Maryville, now we look at it in such a football community from the Bearcats to the Spoof Hounds and so on. You know, even down the road, the Chiefs yes. are an okay football team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yes, just sir. it's kind of surprising to hear that because, yeah, I kind of look at it through the, the 2022 lens of, you know, this place eats, sleeps, breathes football. And, yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that it wasn't that yes. terribly long no. ago that there were some lean times. Yes, really lean and uh you know, the product on the field was just not as dominant as what it is now. Uh, we did not have the, the, that type of just scheme also. You know, with the more of a passing scheme, it really invites a lot more fans in because it's such a more of explosive game. It's more excitement. You know, running that triple option, you know, our job was to try to put you asleep, play unbelievable defense, and score every now and then. You know, and so it just was not a, a high-intensity fun game to watch. Now, it's still my type of football. I love big running backs who just run it up in there and get – two or three yards, and, and I love great defense where no one moves the ball and you win the game three to nothing. That's what I like. What game or play or moment, is there anything that sticks out to you from your playing career or maybe that you came out and make, made a big hit or something? Oh, I, I don't remember too many big hits. One time in a game, <laughs> it's really funny, I got an interception, and really? I probably could have returned it, but I didn't have the gas to return it. <laughs> Uh, but I ran it to the 50-yard line before I kind of allowed the guy to talk, tackle me because I had this dance I was working on that I wanted to do. And so I did my dance, and everybody patted me on the head, and, and that was probably my most memorable moment. Now, as I'm imagining this, quarterback drops back, throws a laser, and you just happen to jump up, two hands, snag it out of the air, and just sprint. Well, I think the quarterback probably was 5'7 five, or 5'5, five, five, <laughs> and I jumped up and I caught the ball, because I'm five nine, you know, I like to say I'm five eleven, but I'm five nine, and and I jumped up and caught the ball from the D line position on the line and took off running, and no one knew I had the ball for the longest time. That's why I was so far ahead and probably could have scored. So it was it was a clean, it wasn't like a deflection. It was you 
You snagged that. Puppy. Yes, it, it was. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. That two inch vertical paid off. You didn't go to the sideline and say, "Bud, let me play offense." No, 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 no. no. I, I, I did not have the endurance to run the ball. <laughs> so we see it now. We go from Clarence Green in the early '90s, Elijah Green now yes, making sir. a name for himself within oh, the yes. MIAA. What's it been like to see him grow and mature from a spoof hound to a Bearcat? Oh, you're going to make me emotional. It's it's unreal. Uh, you know, he's just a tremendous man. You know, and what he what he represents. You know, talking about his faith and his testament to his Lord and Savior. I think that's important. I love that he lives out his truth. Uh, he's a great player you know because and that's probably because of just his work ethic he's always had a healthy work ethic uh willing to do what it takes uh no matter what it is to put himself in the best position he could be in. and i think he's someone that really speaks to where hard work and dedication will pay off uh for an individual because that's just what he is and what he's always done throughout his whole life you know he started off as a boxer and probably learned something there uh, that it's always paid off for him because he just always has had a healthy work ethic. Um, well, you know, we see the production. We see the numbers and, and the Bearcats racking up wins, and, and that's that's fun. That's important. Um, but you know what, too, as as he's gone throughout his Bearcat career, and I've kind of like, okay, that's Elijah. I know who he is. When we go through COVID-19, everybody was wearing masks, and so yes, you sir. can't really – he wouldn't recognize me if I saw him with a mask on. And still genuine – Great kid, uh, super polite, nice, and it's just great to see. We watch these student athletes, but then seeing them away from the field or the court or whatever, and and they're still that genuine person. I think that's huge, just and that's a Northwest thing, and I'm sure it's everywhere. But we really take pride in that, and you oh. love to see it. Yeah, yeah, it, and he has just been always that way his entire life. And I, it, and again, I think I it credited to being in boxing and we had kids who were assigned to us by the court that we, we took to different boxing meets and, and something about, it, I'll tell a little bit of funny story on Elijah when he was in the third grade, you know, he was a boxer and we were in Las Vegas. N- number one, he hitchhiked, uh, as a nine year old and he thought that was safe. It, uh, it scared the heck out of him because he's always been very independent, thinks he can communicate his way out of everything. So he's always had strong communication skills as a little kid but something I knew that he was going to be different and it was just a little experience that happened to him when he was probably five or six years old we were in Barnes and Noble reading books um, and he had walked up to the counter to buy a cookie and when he went up there to buy that cookie he kept trying to show the lady which cookie he wanted and she gave him the wrong one he came back to the table he said this wasn't what I wanted it was the wrong one and he walked back up there on his own and said hey this is still not the right thing this is what I want and I saw something different in him like boy he can really communicate he's always going to stand up for himself or what's right and he's just always just done those things naturally his whole life other than the hitchhiking and he's the only kid you know out of 20 kids we would take to a boxing match that ever picked up something that he shouldn't have in the store, you know, so, but the kids did a great job of shaming him for their, you know, he boxed, he was 16. And every time we'd go into the store, they'll say, somebody keep an eye on Elijah, you know, he'd be picking up something, you know, so, so it's always stuck with him too. Were you in Las Vegas when he was hit? Like, was yes. this one of those of like, yep. hey, I'm going to get there? And you're like, no, 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 come back. No, no, I wouldn't, wasn't even with him. The kids had walked to Walmart to pick up some things and, uh, they were all supposed to walk back and the kids come back and say, we don't know where Elijah is. He hitchhiked. And so he got a ride back to the hotel with somebody, you know, but that's, that's just him. He's always been 
a kid who's beat to his own drum, you know. And uh, I couldn't imagine your heart just beating out of your chest, like, oh no. Oh yes, and, and yes, and imagine him calling his mom, who were a thousand miles away because we were there in a box, you know, and she wasn't there to say, uh, oh yeah, this is what I did. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awesome. I love that. So. Were you a boxer? Where does this? Where were the roots there? No, I, I was not a boxer. I was too pretty to box. You know, he's <laughs> he's less attractive than me, so he could take those blows to the face. Uh, but he he just wanted to try it as a little kid, so we tried it. And, and something about me that's probably a little uh, concerning that I have about myself. Typically, when I do things, I am all in, and so I, I became instantly all in because that's what he wanted to do. And anything that someone in my family or something that I'm going to do, I'm going to be vested all in. And uh, that's just how I was with him. And uh, he he had some success in boxing and showed our other kids. It was an opportunity for me to give back also because our boxing gym was more of a community center. We probably had 50 kids who participated within it, but only three or four of them really boxed. The rest of them, it was a place for them to come to learn about uh, just being on a team gathering up, being in a safe place. Uh, and it was it was great for me in my life because it gave me an opportunity to give back to those who were kind of just like me, could probably come up on meager circumstances, hard times. And they were great kids, and I stay in contact with a lot of them to this day. It's neat just to see them go on and do special things in life. That's awesome. And, and there's a certain amount of toughness that has to come from being a boxer and being able to to take some of those blows and just keep coming back. Oh, um, yes. I like, mean, like, I think it's the ultimate team sport. You know, the amount of trust that it teaches you for someone. You have a coach who is telling you, you know, you're going to have to get hit in the jaw and you're going to have to roll with that punch. So time it perfectly so it doesn't hurt you because then it's going to give you the leverage to come back with a right hand and you're going to win the fight because you're going to hit this kid with such power uh, with that right hand that it's going to scare them. It's going to stop them. They won't want to continue. Uh, and for that kid to trust you uh, is important. And then because sometimes that kid's a little too close and they can't roll with the punch enough and it hurts them. And you have to tell them, well, you were two inches too close, uh, you know, <laughs> and get back in there and try it again the next bout. Uh, and so it's, it's a great about trust and building respect. And I think that's why I stay in contact with all of those kids. We built so much great trust with each other and uh, just learned a lot about each other. That's awesome. I love that. So uh, as he's coming up and, and boxing a little bit, but obviously pretty spectacular career at, with the Spoof Hounds yeah, playing so, yeah, football there, fun. too. I mean, was that one of those that he kind of said, yeah, Dad, I'm going to play with the Bearcats, too, or did he kind of look elsewhere before landing? He kind of looked a few other places, but, uh, you know, for me, it's always been about Northwest. It's very special to me and my family. Uh, All of my kids that went to school here, most of them have graduated. My son-in-law went to school here and graduated. My son-in-law, father and I played college football here together. Me and my son-in-law's mom went to college together. You know, so Northwest is very special to us and our family. And so having Elijah attend school here, you know, he had stayed on the sidelines with me at numerous games when he was 10 or 11 years old. And I, I think he's always seen the pictures. He's talked to a lot of the former athletes like Jesse Haynes, Kenny Stokes. We were always real tight when our kids were being raised up. And so we would hang around each other quite a bit. So my kids got that experience from them and hearing the stories. And so I think all of that influenced him and uh he made the right choice (laughs) yeah hey it has worked out we are happy to have him here so of course we talk so much about football the bearcats elijah's doing big things and heading into his senior year coming up here at northwest missouri state we've had three daughters come through as well as you've mentioned and um 
similar to you not just being a former student athlete, now the interim president at Northwest. Yes, those ladies came through here and doing big things now yes. as well. Yeah, and my daughters did a great job. Uh, my, my one daughter works at, she works at Primrose, uh, a school in Kansas City, a private uh, nurse school. My other daughter works at Farmers Insurance. Uh, they're my two oldest. They're twins, actually. And then my middle daughter, Brooklyn, she works at NetSmart, uh, kind of a technology-based company. Uh, she was probably my wildest child and probably <laughs> more like me because she's very uh boisterous and loud and uh she she was a member of Phi Mu sorority did very well when she was in college and uh my kids would say perhaps she's probably my favorite uh, i think as parents <laughs> we kind of do have favorites I, I love them all but uh you know liking some of them at some times is a little hard uh but but she's really just a high energy kid that uh really does that does some g good things got to love it the big family here at northwest and you've adopted probably a couple of defensive linemen oh, over the years as well. We were talking yes. about Zach Howard before yeah. he went on. Great young man. Uh, you know, that red hair. My wife has red hair, so he's a natural <laughs> fit in a green family. Uh, he's pretty loud and boisterous also, so he fits in. He's a good eater. Uh, those are all the things that's important. Uh, very good young man. Uh, and I think of uh, we, we finally have a real athlete in the family with Braden Wright. You know, he plays quarterback, <laughs> you know, and he's really athletic. Uh, he, he reminds me of all the things I wish I was, you know, could throw <laughs> and could run really fast. And uh, he's just a neat kid also. And uh, it's neat getting to see those kids evolve and grow. And most of them kids came in as freshmen together. So, you know, I've seen them over their entire career here. And that's just been special for me and my family. Uh, to really kind of adopt those young men and, and be something hopefully positive and influential in their lives. Those D linemen are nimble. They're they're athletes. Well, well <laughs> I've seen them wrestle over a rib bone once, and, and they're pretty good at that. I yes. could imagine, yeah. All right, a couple more, and I'll wrap it no. up and let you get on your way. Appreciate you coming in no, here and talking with you. us today. Um, Looking back, uh, as you kind of think about the University to Pol Police Department, which you've overseen for uh, for many years yes, here, um, setting yourself aside, of course, yep. who would you say is the best athlete in UPD? Ooh, the best athlete in UPD. It's probably going to be is, – is it would either be Jeremy Staples. He's a sergeant for us. He's an excellent basketball player. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's perhaps the best athlete. He talks about this dad bod he has, but he weighs like 150 and he's pretty fit, you know. That's the dad bod I need. Yeah, he's, he's probably pretty athletic. I hate to say this, Kyle Hoyt, my, he's pretty athletic. Yeah. He played football at Missouri Western, you know, so we don't like to talk about him much. But he's pretty athletic also and a good golfer. Uh, Williams is pretty athletic as well. Uh, I don't know. Brandon Stanley says he's not a good basketball player. Oh, he's Stanley. too brutal. But uh, I, I I, like, I think Williams is probably he's an all around athlete as well. He's an excellent shot with with, with a pistol, so uh, <laughs> he goes up in my eyes. Uh, and so it would be it'd be hard between those three. Yeah. I, I would say as I top, we'll have some others who would be a little hurt. Now the best dancer I would say is Christina Martinez. Okay. Yes, yes. I would have to give her the pub for that. And that's that's without you included. So if we did throw you in there. We're could you outdance her? No, no, no. <laughs> she she loves to do all the dancing videos or choreo uh, uh, be the choreographer for. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, since you brought up Brandon Stanley, uh, could you take him on the basketball court? No. So I, I think Stanley. I, I've never seen him play, but I imagine he's pretty good. He's you know? not as good as he will tell you. He will <laughs> talk himself up. 
Well, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a profiler, and he wears those long shorts, and yes, I always does. see him with a ball in his hand. I think, oh, he's probably pretty good. No, it's, it's all just an image he puts up. It's a facade. Well, well, he, Deion Sanders said you got to look the part. There you he, go. he looks the part to me. That's half the battle, right? Yes. All right, last one. This is kind of a tough one. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. Allison Hoffman on, and uh, I asked her what former student athlete she'd hire on the spot to be a professor or student success coach right away. Wow. She said, you and Devontae Mosby were the first two people that came Well, I'll mind. take that, Dr. Hoffman. Yeah. I listened to that, too, three did times. Did you? Yes, I, I did. I appreciate that. <laughs> Bump up those ratings. Uh, if I flip that on you, student athlete that you would say, hire them to be a professor, student success coach, motivational speaker, any of those, who would you throw out there? It would be Zach Howard, number one. Uh, then probably, you know, Sam Roberts is a great young man who has an unbelievable story. He would be another. Um, there would be a, um, mm. those two would definitely bubble up to the top. You know, of course, you know, I'm biased again, like when I think of a Braden Wright, uh, another great young man with a great story as well that I think is truly inspiring for everyone. It would be a great teacher, instructor. Um, there, there's not many, you know, uh, Tre Trevor, mm -hmm. uh, who's, who's going to the NBA. You know, he, he, he I, I got his tennis shoes. Did uh, you? Yes, yes, uh, great young man. You know, I put a bit in there. I didn't think Oh, shucks. Uh, <laughs> it, it worked out great. You know, there's another great young man. There was a young man who played here in the, 2000s of Victor James. Mm -hmm. uh, something about him has left an imprint on my life forever. Uh, he really had uh, just high integrity, uh, moral character, uh, just an extraordinary young man that really left an imprint on my life. Uh, was a good basketball player. Coach Tapmeyer was his coach, and he had some um, challenges while he was here. But, boy, I, I, I think about a young man who is someone that's inspiring. And I, I truly hope he comes back someday. I just love this to see him and see what he's doing now. He was a great young man. I think he can do anything. Got to love it. We have so many good kids that pass through here that, uh, that yeah, it's, you know, don't forget, you know, Northwest Missouri State. Always love to have you back. So, yes, got to love it. So. Dr. Clarence Green, Interim President, Northwest Missouri State. Appreciate you coming by and, and jumping on the podcast and talking with me today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. We really appreciate Dr. Clarence Green joining us on today's podcast. Obviously a busy schedule, diving right in the interim president here at Northwest Missouri State. and Looking forward to what he can do for the campus and continue to do for the campus as he moves forward in this new role as well. Next week, we've got another special one coming up. Diego Bernard just announced the previous week uh, that he will be returning to Northwest Missouri State playing men's basketball once again for a final season. So we actually caught up with him about that a couple months ago and just kind of kept that one on ice until he was ready to unveil that news. So we've got that podcast coming up for you next week right here on Bearcat Rewind, so be sure to check that one out. And all of our archive podcasts as well, Mallory McConkey, Dr. Allison Hoffman, Blake Hardigree, Reese Smith, and so many more. So check out all those old episodes of Bearcat Rewind. Thanks to Northwest Missouri State Professor Alex Kerr producing our intro and outro music. And thank you for tuning in for the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next week.